Welcome, everybody, to the Men for Life podcast. Uh, my name is Andrew Jacoby. I'm here joined in the studio with my good friend and co-pilot here on the Men for Life podcast, Pete DeMaio, and we are also, Pete, say hello. Hey, hey. And uh, we are joined by two wonderful guests, the Sackos, which we will be discussing. Uh, Chris and Karen Sacco, please say hello. 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 And um, they will be uh, telling us a little bit about what it's like to be married, what it was like to decide to get married uh, in the secular world, trying to, let's just say, do it a different way. But before we get there and hear about their story, what we'd like to do is always, what we always do is start off in prayer. So, Brother Pete, please. You got it. <clears throat> in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. God, thank you so much for, uh, for bringing Chris and Karen with us. And it's truly just a, um, a pleasure to have them here with us. I'm really looking forward to diving in a little with them. Um, we know that you've used marriage as um, an opportunity to reflect uh, your love for us. And we see this in a recently married couple. So I would just ask you, God, to continue to, uh, to plant seeds in the hearts of Chris and Karen and continue to nourish those seeds so that they can have a beautiful marriage. Please help all marriages and all families in our society today so we can hopefully restore this culture of life. Um, help men and women to look at each other in a loving, faithful way and give themselves to each other self-sacrificially, yeah, freely, totally, faithfully, fruitfully, as Chris and Karen have done. And we ask you this as we pray, Hail Mary, full, full of grace, grace, the Lord, Lord is with thee. thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. That was great. I love that part. So welcome, guys. This is so awesome to have you here. It's been a long time coming. And just to give uh, the listeners a little background on how we know each other, uh, both Karen and Chris were in the RCIA class uh, this year. I'm sure from last year too, right? You guys were. Um, I did it last year as well. Oh, okay. So you guys were both sponsors, or you were a sponsor in. Last year, I had just come to some of the classes, and then this year, I started out just coming to classes, and then ended up being a sponsor. Oh, that's awesome! So you were, and that's happened to you too, Pete, right? So yeah, which I loved. I mean, I I bragged to everybody about our class. I said yeah. it's like basically it's it's I was kind of envisioning like a typical RCIA class, maybe a few you know candidates and a few sponsors. It's basically like an adult formation class. It's outstanding. So. Yeah, as you were saying, Andrew, Chris and Karen are just wonderful, you know, young adults that are now married, coming up on a year this October first. And praise God, yeah, <laughs> that's great. And um, so yeah, that's how we met you guys, and we'd love to hear about your story. And you also are founding members of the Catholic Drinking Society, which is, <laughs> is a, a sort of subgroup within the RCIA. <laughs> Uh, for those of you that don't know, it's not Opus Dei. It's like Opus Dei, but it's with alcohol. So imagine Opus Dei, you know, but with alcohol. You go twice, you're a founding member. <laughs> <laughs> and I think one time you guys didn't even drink alcohol. So I guess it was there was there was there was liquids. But anyway, we have really high standards for right. so <laughs> for our founding it. members. 
at the next meeting of the Catholic Drinking Society, we will we will debate this this uh, very pressing issue. But in the meantime, we'd love to hear because, as you guys know, um, the the point of the podcast is uh, to create a men's movement, especially geared towards young men, where we're trying to create a culture of life. So on the one side, the abortion thing is really big. Obviously, for Pete and I, we're really active in the pro life cause and are really um, very passionate about that cause. But the other side, which is also related, is the goal is to not have to have abortions. And so, you know, abortion is like the end game. So there's a whole series of things that leads up to abortion. And that's kind of where, you know, the, the chastity thing comes in, the dating thing comes in. So I think a lot of young men, um, if they're listening to this podcast or interested in it, are ex- even if they're in a Catholic school, they're sort of baked in or living in a culture where let's just say the church's teachings aren't that popular on how you should do dating. So I'm just curious, your guys' perspective on, because you, you know, you, you, how you met and sort of some background, why you decided to do what you did, uh, get married and, you know, some thought processes behind that. And I'll shut up. No. Yeah. Um, and if you don't mind real fast before we hear from you is that Andrew, I was thinking the same thing. It gives us a wonderful opportunity to get to know Chris and Karen, you know, better. Um, outside of our Catholic uh, drinking social club. <laughs> but truly, we had um, my son, Nikki, and we had Mackenzie here. They're both high school students, and they were Great kind of, episode. yeah, giving us some insight into, you know, their world as, as young high school, young man, um, high school, young woman. And here y- you two are, and you're like just slightly on the other side of it, uh, of if you can do this thing right, hopefully, then this is what it looks like you know, 10 years later, right? Or however many, you know, not that not that far later into the future. So that's what Andrew and I were hoping is that it gives us an opportunity to give, you know, young men or young ladies like a little bit of a glimpse into the future. And one of the things that, that I'd like to touch on that I didn't even know existed was this whole CCYA group. So I'd like to, if you don't mind, I'd like to, for both of you to speak a little bit into what that experience was life's like, so... Sure. Well, that is part of everything else. So. All right. So let's get a little background on both of you, if it's okay. So, Chris, where are you from originally? Actually, uh, wait a second. Ladies first. Just yeah. because this is men for <laughs> yeah. life, we're not going to any no gender bias in here, Chris. Karen. <laughs> um, I like thinking them just on the other side of being a high schooler. <laughs> That's a good feeling when you're in your 30s. Oh, my gosh. How old are you guys? Um, I am 32. Chris? 36. Oh, you guys are older than I thought you were. I thought you were a little yeah, bit younger. You, young. you do. Yeah. yeah. Childlike. <laughs> yeah. Um, so where are you your from babies original? compared to me and Pete. Yeah. We're old guys. I just turned 45, by the way. And I got a haircut. I don't know if you guys noticed, but I felt like I was making 45 look like the new 55, fat, old, and hairy about a week ago. <laughs> 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 All right, back to, uh, <laughs> to our regular scheduled program. <laughs> this haircut does look good, though. This is a podcast audio, but it looks good. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. No I even got a little beard trim. Nice. Um, where are you? So, where are you from? And like, what was growing up like, Karen? You know, like, do you come from a traditionally Catholic house? And where'd you go to school and all that? Um, I grew up in the area. I grew up in uh, in Bucks County. Um, I am I have been Catholic my whole life. I was baptized as a baby, um, cradle Catholic and, you know, practicing Catholic 
throughout my life. So, you know, in a personal way has like my faith journey kind of ebbed and flowed, I think the way that everyone's inevitably does, but, um, you know, grew up within the church and, um, involved. Um, do you have siblings? Yes. I am. I'm one of six. You so, are. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. number are you? All I'm boys. the youngest and the only girl. Yeah. All boys in it. Oh wow, my gosh. No way. <laughs> what was that like? Chris yeah. going into the house, five older brothers yeah, were you I mean, like, you better be good. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They're all pretty friendly. <laughs> yeah. As long as, yeah. Are they pretty cool? Like were they yeah. accepting of Chris or did yeah. they have to grill him first? No, I, I think they were pretty accepting, pretty open. Nice. So. so then where did you go to high school? Um, I went to Archbishop Wood High School. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then, which I was just there mm -hmm. um, back in May with um, Father Paul. Uh, it was awesome. This is my first time at Archbishop Wood. And then, where did you go to college? Uh, I went to LaSalle University. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so what you've did you been... study in LaSalle? Um, I studied English, um, sort of with a concentration on writing. Um, you know, and, and, after college, uh, I took a little bit of time, but um, then I went on and got my master's in library science, and I do I work in in that field now. I love the library; it's so quiet. It's great. It's good stuff. Um, awesome. And so, after college, did you you stayed in the city? Did you go travel around, or no? I I've pretty much stayed in the area. Um, so immediately after college, I was like back living at my parents' house for a little while, um, sort of figuring out next steps. Um, and then, you know, I had gotten, I worked in a grade school, in a Catholic grade school for a year um, as a school librarian. And then when I got my next job in a public library, I, uh, it was shortly after that, that it was time to like move, like I was moving to the city, moving closer to work. Um, and a good friend of mine who I had met at my parish um, from my childhood moved with me. Um, so my friend and I lived in like the northwest portion of the city. We lived up in Chestnut Hill. Um, and it was actually while we were, it, it was exciting coming to the city because, you know, at that point I was like getting reinvigorated, like not that I had stepped away, but like more invigorated by my faith and like, um, you know, being in like a suburban parish before that, you're there's like not many young adults. Like I, I did go to like a young adult group, so there was people coming from kind of a wider area. Uh, so I did have like some connection with younger adults, but coming into the city and being able to go to like city events, it was many more people. Like it was very exciting to have like a much wider breadth of people my age who were actually like interested in their faith and involved um, in their faith. Um, so that's actually probably about like when Chris and I have been pointed when we were probably like first at an event together um, out at St. Charles Seminary, they had done love and responsibility talks. Um, the Culture Project had organized these talks and we know that we were both there. So we just say we met there. We just say we met there. I did bartend some of them. And I, I definitely got Stetson? a drink, so I definitely probably met him there. You got a drink. So. You're bartending without his Stetson. Um, so 
the culture project what's the culture project for people who don't know what that is they are a fantastic organization um it was started here i don't know if it's fully based out here anymore but um they go into um they do a lot of talks and events on chastity they talk at schools and do different missionary um do missionary work in that capacity they um used to do a lot of um, social events in the city too for, I guess, younger adults as well. Um, so they, this, these talks were one of them and that was like probably one of the best young adult events ever in the Archdiocese. It was a, just a series of like knock it out of the park talks um, with amazing speakers. So that was, that was really good. How many, um, how, like how many, um parts of the series were there back then, do you recall? The, I think that year there were like seven, weren't, weren't Maybe, there? I was it thinking was six or seven. It I was think five, because it was supposed to be a, f was it five or six? It was, a, I think it was five, it was four or five, and then uh, they got Christopher West. So there nice. was another one. So that was a big on. event. So yeah. there was a bonus, a bonus session with so Christopher So you did get West. to hear both big of you fans. from Christopher West? Oh, yeah. yeah. Big yeah. fans. Yeah. He's outstanding. But it was, yeah, it was all around like a great series. Um, I think Bill Donahue talked during the series too um, from the Theology of the Body Institute. And he, you know, he's great to listen to as well. So shout out to my buddy, Bill. He's awesome. Really, really good. I have dude. a question, Karen. So it sounds like um, there's this maybe overlap between this culture project and you coming back more seriously to the faith. Was that, was there, an, was the impetus there before that we're like hey I'm, I'm taking the faith more seriously the reason why i ask is because it sounds like at the same time there was a period where you weren't that serious about the faith and maybe you were of dating age at that point too or was it am i am i getting the chronology wrong so kind of like a before and after view we could get um yeah i mean i guess it's not that i wasn't serious um for a couple of years i was i was i was dating i was dating one like one person um and that relationship was like not necessarily like it just wasn't someone who took the faith as seriously as me which can definitely be like a roadblock um in a relationship so it was like after that relationship ended i moved to the city so it was you know kind of different things sort of changing so you know it's not that i was apart or not taking the faith seriously but there's you know there's just more i think enthusiasm and excitement when you have other people that you can share the faith with. Like I think the community aspect is critical to really keeping the faith um, really alive and well and, and supporting you and living out your faith. Yes, which is what I found to be so interesting about this, this group of young adults that we have here. And I've now learned from Father DeLisi that we have over 50 young adult groups. Some of them are small, but we have like 50, did he tell us 52 or 53? different young adult groups in our archdiocese oh, yeah. of Philadelphia, oh, which yeah. is, so you got a chance to experience that right away, Karen, and that was nice, because then instead mm -hmm. of walking that journey on your own, now you have some others you're walking it, you know, with, so mm -hmm. that, yeah, beautiful. And you're right, Culture Project, outstanding, mm -hmm. outstanding job. That's actually um, part of the, um, uh, they have the connection with Archbishop Perez, so Christina, who moved out to Ohio, I believe, or I believe that's where she lives, but they were running Culture Project out there when Archbishop Prez was there. 
and because things had gone so well there with them, when he was appointed archbishop here in Philadelphia, he wanted to make sure that they had a very strong presence here, you know, in the area yeah. as well. So, so we're going to have them here, the culture project, you awesome. know, yeah, six missionaries, they're wonderful. Right. They're, you know, yes. really good. So then let's get the other, yeah, let's get the other side, Chris. So where, oh, before we go, I have one more question. Yeah, sorry. Karen, <laughs> sorry. I just want to, and this is might be personal. You can tell me, dude, don't, I don't, I'm not, not interested in answering this question, but so when you're in a relationship with somebody who's not as serious about the faith, what age were you and, and how does that manifest? Meaning, is it somebody who's, are they like, well, why, why, like, you know, come on. It's like, the, it's the raging 2000s. Like, what are we doing? What are we like, you know, like how, how does that, how does that manifest if you want to answer that question? And also, um, was that, was that something where you're like, yeah, I, this is, I'm sure that this is not what I want. Yeah. Um. I mean, I guess, like, if you really want to pursue the faith, I think it can kind of, like, manifest in, like, every area, like, because you're not going to be talking about the, you know, you're not even going to be having these kind of conversations about faith, um, you know, in that way, and, you know. So it wasn't actively negative. It was just neutral. It's like it's not yeah, a it's subject. Just, that just, yeah, it's just like not even mm. necessarily so present. Like, he's like, so you want to go to mass again? <laughs> really? <laughs> I caught that also. I thought that was interesting too, Karen, is that you you just kind of skipped over it like no big deal. But you went from Archbishop Wood to LaSalle University. You didn't go and get an apartment with like a bunch of girls in the city and just party it up for the next few years. <laughs> you actually retreated back to your home and then continued on with your life from there. Mm -hmm. And even though you were dating, you know, and whatever else was going on in your young adult life is that you then didn't go back out again until you were going back out into this new community that you found. And that new community was a Catholic community with Praise other people. Yeah. Who shared your your values and your, you know, so you could comfortably go into that and just be yourself. You know what I mean? And like, Hey, I'm going to go live in the city now and I get a chance to be around some other awesome young people as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I wouldn't minimize that at all. You, <laughs> you know, that did you a find, big deal. Was, was there a context of your other friends that were do, were having similar journeys or were there, were, did you see other people, let's say, do it more the way that the world was sort of calling them to do it? Meaning they didn't, the trajectory wasn't towards a more faithful Catholic life. It was more away from that. Did you see that in your friend group or no? Like that was just not, wasn't the waters you were swimming in at that time. I mean, I don't think I've ever been part of like any crazy party scenes. There was nothing like that. But I mean, even today, like I'm friends with people that I've been friends with since childhood. And, you know, many of, most of them are like baptized Catholics, but they, you know, they don't practice the faith now. Um, so. But they're not at Burning Man either. Right, right. Kind of Got just, it. Yeah. They're not what? They're not at Burning Man. <laughs> you don't know what Burning? You never heard of Burning Man? Chris no. knows what Burning Man is. Yeah. What he's is an that? he's an animator. Yeah. <laughs> you guys left to fill me in later. Yeah. Just um. go just Google Burning Man. It's basically basically what it is is it's a pagan festival, a really large pagan festival in the in the in the desert in in Las Vegas, I think it is, outside of or it's somewhere like somewhere out southwest and. Basically, it's a bunch of drugs, a bunch of rhythmic music, and tribal tattoos, and everyone thinks this is so new. Is the, uh, like, is this really? the one that they're like worshiping an owl or something? No, like that what that? they it's do like is they worship. Or? There's there's the they they at the end of the ceremony they burn this wooden 
conglomeration of whatever this wooden structure and it's all this you know polyamory and uh, anti-capitalism and whatever it's just like a thing it's like a, it's but it's really huge it's like really po i mean it's like tens of thousands of people do this all the silicon valley people are into it Every, it's like a huge thing. It's not a small thing. It's like a big thing. What are we doing? We're missing out on this whole I world. Crazy. I mean, <laughs> so you, guys, you didn't even know. That's a good thing you didn't know. <laughs> My ignorance is such bliss yeah, exactly. sometimes. <laughs> totally. You miss that train having yeah. seven kids. It's good. Yeah, thanks, Karen. It's, it's I think that's that's um that's probably helpful. It's good that you weren't in that context. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that Andrew and I are so interested in is is just this idea of being countercultural because culture so prevalent so strong it's just like coming at us constantly so we're mm -hmm. interested in individuals like you but then a couple like you now where it's yeah you are you're living counterculturally up until meeting each other and then after meeting yeah each and that's other. a good point i think karen what you're saying or what it sounds like you're what what's interesting to me about your story so far is that that the context matters so it, it really it sounds you were brought up okay it wasn't it's not perfect not everybody was you know a nun but at the same time everybody was pretty serious about their faith you grew up in a family like that mm -hmm. and so that really protected you it, it provided let's say um, guardrails that were that were helpful mm -hmm. right yeah so that's awesome cool now are you from here too Chris not originally where are you from um, originally born in Long Island oh yeah yeah. And then we moved to Northeast Pennsylvania in the Poconos when I was in fifth grade, 11th grade. My um, family moved down to Virginia, where my mom still is now. But I came here to Philadelphia with a couple of friends that I knew from Northeast Pennsylvania for college. Um, we went to the Art Institute of Philadelphia, which I think is now fully defunct in the city. Mm. But Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't even so, know that. But I mean... It's an art degree, so you don't like. Yeah, matters what you can do, not where you went, pretty much. Yeah. Um. So I went there, studied animation, and then uh, after college, I've been in, out, and around the city, but mostly in Philadelphia. So I've been here. So since now. you're since you're not seeing Chris in person, you know, like my initial view of Chris when I first met him. And knowing that he has this artsy background and, you know, and degree and all that is he definitely has the city Philly hipster thing going on. <laughs> so to then meet it's him. Not the Stetson hat. Right? right? Yeah. And then to meet him and find out that he's so conservatively Catholic was like, wow, that's not your like your your visual outward appearance, but it's who yeah. you are. Yeah, so the artist and that the in general, there's like some tension there or no is that just is that just um, pete being pete it's just my pete, 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 pete. No, i mean cool glasses if you can picture chris here you know like i want a pair of those no lenses of course no prescription but <laughs> <laughs> i wish just for the look yeah <laughs> yeah i think there's definite pressure um like even just working in the field you, there's definitely views on things um you're definitely countercultural in your field right yeah I, it's slightly easier in Philadelphia, I think, just because some of the big industries here are slow-moving beasts. So you have a lot of healthcare, finance, things like that that aren't super hip. Super hip yet. I mean, th they're getting there. Mm -hmm. but, right. Um, what about your friend group? You know, coming from Northeast and all that. 
Are they similar to you or are they a little different? Um, I found one good thing about the area here, there's a lot of people who have solid core values, so they might not be practicing their faith, but they do have just like good core values. So like I'm friends with a lot of people from, from college still, um, see them all the time. Um, I didn't really have many practicing Catholic friends in college, but my, my, my best friend, he, um, he's Christian and we would, um, you know, talk and they had like this sort of Bible study thing at college. Sometimes I would go to and things like that. So that, I think that kind of like got me through. Was your family Catholic? And Karen was saying her yeah, family. Was, yeah, so you're, yeah. did you come from a big family as well? Um, we only have four children in my family. So oh, so small. My parents yeah. were what were your parents doing? <laughs> I, although it is all boys. Very suspicious. Us too, Chris. girl last. Oh, so, oh, all right. So, what number are you? I'm two. Yeah. Awesome. We're four also, four boys in our house. And by the way, my best, one of my best friends growing up uh, is a Sacco also from oh, down really? the shore. Yeah. Sacco subs for anyone down uh, Atlantic I, City Ventnor listening. I'm a Dino's guy. Dino's. What you, Dino's wait, what do you know oh, about Dino's? Dude, I love it. Dino's <laughs> is the best. If anyone's ever been to Dino's, if you don't know Dino's subs, then you don't know what you're talking about. Our buddy Freddie Borsani manages Dino's. Really? Oh, one. bread. It's all the bread. It's, it's the, the bread. water. It's the bread. It is. It's artesian well. What do you guys? Oh. Are you familiar? You ever been with to Dino's? I don't think talking? I've had either. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. Like they we'll do a blind taste test and then we'll decide it. which one's. We the best. would just call it Italian bread, but I mean it's oh, Atlantic City so sub rolls so and good. it's the best or like White House subs in Atlantic City. That was our buddy Vince's grandmother that owned White House subs and they were Sacco subs. They are. They're so good cuz of the bread. Really. Good. All right. We'll come back to, yeah, the, uh, we'll come back to that. <laughs> that's the it's not the cul that's the culinary break. Culinary. Uh, <laughs> Dino's can sponsor the men for life yeah. show. No, they would do that. <laughs> um Chris, so I'm I'm curious there um it sounds like you also come from a very a, a similar background to Karen in, in a sort of faith way. Did you have any um did you stay on that, let's just say, the straight and narrow throughout your entire journey? Or was there a period where you're like, well, I'm not going to go to Burning Man, but Coachella <laughs> would be great, whatever. Like, so. um, no, I'm pretty pretty boring in that sense. I never had a wild phase, I think. Um, so, yeah, I... I guess I would be straight and narrow. That's <laughs> great. What do you attribute? To, did you have did you have a friend group that was also similar? Did you see people going less straight and narrow? Um, I think for the most part, especially nowadays, they would be considered pretty, pretty straight. Um, there wasn't like, I mean, I I never got into excessive partying. Um, most of the people I went to college with, I mean, they would have like get-togethers and stuff, but it never got insane and most of the people i know they just like formed um friendships and relationships real well and a lot of them um have continued since like uh, one of my good friends they met in college they're you know still together two kids now um so i think that i, I just had a co good core group of people who um were serious about about relationships and you know in various degrees mm -hmm. but you like you guys obviously you saw television and i mean you're not you know yeah. you're much younger than us so the, the internet was there so you you were aware that this other path was available was there was 
how did you, to the extent that you were tempted, and maybe you weren't, maybe like there was no temptation, but to the extent that you were tempted, how were you able to overcome that and say, all right, you know what? I am that, I got blinders. Like I'm the, I'm the horse on the street with those things on the eyes. Like I'm not going down this other way. I mean, I guess that's mm -hmm. to either of you. Um, because I did, like, I have no idea how you did that because I didn't do that. And neither I, did Pete. <laughs> I think it was just... So we need to learn. <laughs> I think it was just, um, like, being grounded in, in faith. Like, even through college, like, we had a, a church half block and a half away from the dorms. So, I, you know, I knew where I was going on Sunday. That was pretty easy, even if I went alone. Um, and I think that just, like being grounded in that the rest is grace that wasn't me you know right. that, was, that was god <laughs> yeah Amen. what church were you going to um in college i used to go to saint john the evangelist mm -hmm. so beautiful yeah franciscans yeah how about you karen where were you going did you stay on campus at LaSalle, or did you have to go off campus we had mass on campus so for the most part mm -hmm. i went on campus um there is um What's the name of the church? There's a great big church that's right on on uh, right near LaSalle that, you know, a couple times I went to mass there when it when I couldn't make like the college mass times. Yeah. So that's really nice. So when at what point, what ages were you guys when you when you really like connected with a, a lot of these other young adults, as you were describing before, with like going out to the seminary for that love and responsibility uh, and culture project? You know, I think it was around for me at least 2000 I want to say 14 or 15 it's there was this revival happening in Center City um I think a lot of it was spurred um by um Archbishop Shapu when he was there because he used to do the 630 mass every mm -hmm. every Sunday and that became like a big to do like people like a lot of young people would just come to that and really yeah, it, we have a bunch of events and stuff after. Like people would meet up beforehand, meet up after, um, and then, like you said, there's fifty something groups that they know of mm -hmm. in the archdiocese, and like you you go to one group and you meet someone from another group, and then you'd be going to that on Tuesday, and then you go to that on Tuesday, and you'd go to f five more groups. So it, it kind of, um, I think, just magnified everything. Yeah. And you know how sometimes when you come across some of these groups, it's um, it's not real, it's not authentic. I don't mean these groups that we're discussing in particular, but like I had a buddy who said, "Man, I, I just want to meet a nice girl." So he would go on like a Catholic like dating website, and he's mm -hmm. like, "The girls that I met, I might as well pick them up on whatever, <laughs> like Tinder or something." Like they weren't, it wasn't who he thought he was going to find. So. Um, What's it like? Um, are these groups that you're, you know, that you're going like this one Tuesday night and then that one Thursday night, like you said, and before you know it, you're going to five different groups. Are these like authentically Catholic um, young, young adults that you're hanging out with? Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying you're not going to a bar. I mean, I know we have like theology right. on tap and grabbing Catholic some beers. Society. Yeah. <laughs> but are, are for the most part, are these people like all? I feel like most, almost all of the ones that I went, like went to regularly were. Like genuine people, yeah, like trying to trying to practice their faith and and you know at the same time meet people. I love hearing that because as a father, our oldest children—I don't know if I ever told you guys—our oldest children are sixteen, fifteen. They're mm -hmm. both boys, and then our daughter Alyssa is fourteen, 
and they went to youth group for the first time this year, like post COVID and just simply going to youth group. You know, my wife, Trisha thought she would have to drag them there mm -hmm. and they loved it. I mean, after the first week, just meeting other young people that are normal, but being Catholic is part of their life. And you know what I mean? And they're just normal, fun kids, but they also love their faith. I mean, for them, they're like, oh, we're, they're, they were like right at home. So I can foresee them maybe doing what the two of you did, where it's like, that's just part of their life, you know, as they go to college and then beyond college. Yeah, yeah. This, it's gotta be really hope, like hopeful for you, Pete, to hear like two young people like this or younger like than us. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I love this. it, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, Meeting like, you guys is really like yeah. refreshing for me because it's like, oh yeah, that's hopefully what our kids are, you know what I mean, are gonna find as they're getting a little older. Right, Yeah. because Pete's kids are like right now in the grips of the adolescent, you know, like the surge of the, you know, the testosterone and all the yeah. chemistry is yeah. just like <laughs> powerful at the moment. And probably the culture is even worse than it was oh, yeah. mm. when you guys were going not, through. Not probably. Oh, definitely, yeah. okay, most definitely, certainly. <laughs> most certainly. So, there, so the pull, to whatever extent that there's a pull to the world, then it's it's magnified. Do and you two see that also? And do you feel that? Sorry to interrupt no, me, no. Andrew, but but exactly what you're saying that this last 10 years, it's really like and maybe it's technology and phones. I, I would yeah. attribute a lot of it to. But do you see that also the last 10 years? It seemed like it really derailed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah and I, you're right. Like maybe the technology. I don't even know. Is the technology advancing? Is it just like magnifying it? Because it's kind of like. I don't know, there's just like a platform for all of this to, and then, cause like, I feel like sometimes even I'm like, even just not even social media, but just like media, you're looking online and you're like, oh gosh, this is like what the world looks like. And, but you have to like get out of that headspace cause you realize like, it's really kind of zeroing in on a certain thing. And then you actually like walk around, you know, the physical real world and you're like, okay, <laughs> I need to remember like, that's not everything. That's not everywhere. Yeah. Right. It'll be an issue hopefully for um, your children, you know, mm -hmm. also because it's going to, I mean, I'm at, hopefully those, there's a, uh, a reversion back to older ways, but at the moment the trend is just insane. Yeah, because when say. you think about it, I mean, that's what sells in media. Is right, so it's this arms race for who can be more who can obscene. be more hysterical or yeah, more obscene exactly. or more whatever, right? Because that's what news it is. Gets the attention. Yeah, yeah, but the only difference is now with our phones, it's there, it's constant. Totally. And then it, and honestly, our poor kids, like there's not they can't pick up their phone without porn just being, you know, especially like on a social media platform. Yeah. It's a really a shame. I mean, it's like you can't even where do you get away from it? So so you guys decided to go and live in the Catholic young people's uh, group. What, tell us a little bit about that. Like it's, it's also another sort of, let's say, countercultural move, which is a little different. Yeah. Awesome. So um, Philadelphia is wonderful. They have um, in the past probably 10 years, they've had a couple different um, residential communities um, happen here so i um way back in like i think like 2015 16 um i was actually part of another group this was just a men's house it was a group of men who got together um just to help each other live uh good christian lives uh they would have sometimes have dinner to have people over to the house um have different priests come in and say mass and things um 
fortunately, unfortunately, a lot of them, like, everyone got married, so like, it kind of, like, um, fizzled out. Um, we didn't recruit the next group of single well, young I men, was, right? <laughs> I was one of the people who, like, d- discerning whether I should move in or not, so it was funny, but then it wound up transitioning. Now I think one of the universities owns it and uses it as, like, a teacher housing for, like, one of their student teacher programs, but... um. At the same time, there was another group in the city, the Catholic Center for Young Adults, which was um, also a, a residential community. This one had both a men's house and a women's house. Um, so I, I would go there often because, again, I was going to this group and that group and this one. Um, so this whole crazy um, list of events happened, and I, I wound up moving in there um, in 2017 into the men's house. Um, but I, I just think it's, it is I, countercultural. Um, it's also amazing. I wish these things existed right when I was out of college because it's, it's, I would have been in such a better position for life because of it because you're just living. Um, and Philadelphia has the advantage. They have, there's a lot of old empty convents and rectories and all these old church properties um, and that's what's being turned into these these houses. So not only do you have these large, really nice old houses where you can fit a lot of people in there, but it's also they're all connected to a church. So it's easy to go Just to church. Just skip right over for yeah. mass, right? Oh, really good point. Yeah, Chris, because as you're describing this, I mean, you're like 31 already at the time when you moved into this, or 30. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, so I was I was on the I was on the older end. So it was. Um, that, and that's why I was like, do I really want to move into one of these places? But it, it worked out and it um, worked out really well. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's a good it's a good mode of life just because you have um, people who you can r- rely on, people who keep you accountable um, and just really help you to grow and practice your faith in a daily way. And it did eventually help. um prepare you like i think we joke that it prepared us for marriage because if you can deal with like dealing with all these people it's like (laughs) you you learn what's important what's not important how to how to live with someone and things like that so there are many aspects that prepare you for a loving marriage (laughs) that's interesting there's something that during our rcia group uh, father father gill mentioned about there's about marriage and he said that the priesthood requires eight years of formation and there's, we don't have any formation. So the people coming to him for marriage almost have zero formation. And it's a serious, a calling to be married as you guys are learning as it is to be, um, you know, a priest or whatever. And so it's interesting that you would frame the time that you spent in that group as a formation of, for marriage in a way like that's really interesting because I think what Father Gill was lamenting, and by the way, Father Gill, you will be on this podcast. Thank you. Coming up in August, we're, we're trying to nail down a time, and uh, looking forward to it. But anyway, um, so that there is that was a period of formation for you. That's a really interesting way to frame it. I think, given, I think, you know, we have fifty more than fifty percent of marriages that don't work out in the country, and so. There's obviously something missing there, and we talked about it already, the culture pulling you away in all sorts of ways, um, but zero formation of, like, what is it like? What is it, what is it about to be married? 
Um, Karen, you had and you were in the woman's. There's a similar. Um, C C is it C C Y A? Yeah, C C C C Y A. The the women's group. Yeah, um, the Catholic Center for Young Adults. Uh, so I, so it was kind of shortly after I had moved um, to Philadelphia, but like I was, I was still up in Chestnut Hill, like up in that area. So, you know, you're kind of a little ways away from South Philly, um, and it was actually like my roommate at the time, my friend who she kind of just stumbled across the CCYA because she was looking for an opportunity to go to like adoration and she saw that they had posted like their adoration event. Um, so she had tried to go and, you know, eventually went and she kind of got connected and met people and then, you know, invited me down. Um, yeah. And so this was like new to me cause I, I didn't know that there was going to be like a young adult residence. Like that was a new thing to me. Cause I know a lot of people I've encountered have been like, wow, like I've never heard of something like this. Um, so it was new to me at the time as well. And, um, yeah, so I, that was, uh, I got, I, 2017. Around the same time? <laughs> as, coming. So yeah. We didn't, we didn't yeah. live there together. She actually moved in shortly after I moved out. So I moved, um, I was there, um, until spring of 2019. Um, so I wound up moving out, meaning I stopped sleeping there. I was <laughs> pretty much there all the time anyway. Um, and then a couple months later, Karen moved in. Right. Yeah. Because it was, I had, I had been coming for a while to like events, uh, to coming to like weekly events, coming to mass and dinner. Um, they'd do like mass and brunch on Saturdays. Uh, so I'd come down to the community, got to know people. And then eventually Father Sean Mahoney Wore, wore me down <laughs> into moving in. No, not that you had to wear me down because like it was, <laughs> it was attractive. Um, it was interesting. It was kind of just, you know, you're you're not sure. But but uh, yeah, I moved in in August 2019. So yeah, as Chris was saying, like a little bit after he moved out, um, my roommate who I was with, like the two of us moved in together. So that was like nice that like, you know, we had each other and we we were, so the women's house had actually just kind of naturally the numbers had sort of just dwindled amongst the women, like everyone kind of parted and there weren't new women. So the women's house was actually empty for a few months. Um, so there was like only the men's house. Uh, but then my roommate and I moved in together and we were like the regeneration of the <laughs> women's house. Um, How many young women were there like during your time living there? Did it ever grow again? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So it- Now they're packed. You know, are you they? Need to, you need to reserve, you need to like- Yeah, there's a wait list. For, yeah. Get out, <laughs> is there? <laughs> How many people there's, live there? There's not technically a wait list, but the, but it did fill up. Um, I think there's currently s six women, I'm pretty sure. Um, and it's it's a 10-bedroom residence, so the idea would be that there would be nine women within the house, or that would be like the max capacity cause, with the idea of being able to reserve a room for guests. Um, awesome. How about for the men's house, same? Can you get up to nine men in there? M more. So there's the men's house, there's actually two sides to it so there's an old convent and an old rectory so yeah, I think we could get up to like 15 there um, and was there a point where you had double digits there, of guys in there there oh yeah double digits for sure that's um, that's huge yeah that's awesome yeah it, there are there are waves to these things so that's that's one of that's like part of the beauty of it part of the just how it is is that, that there are um, sort of ways to these type of things where you'll have a bunch of people who come in and bring other people with them and then um, 
for various reasons, you know, marriage, new job, whatever, people people move out. Yeah, it's going to be cyclical, right? Mm -hmm. So in these communities, what was the dating culture like? Like, meaning with the Um, with the people that were living there, was there a sort of a cross uh, pollinization (laughs) happening, or was it, you know, sort of how was how was that happening? I feel like mostly there's not with in this residential community uh, although um it, i mean it does ha- it does happen like people will will meet there um there, there's one couple that did they they met there they were you know one was in the men's house one was in the women's house for a while and then um then it got serious so they wound up they wound up both like moving out to like focus on that um but um i don't think there's there's it's not like speed dating central so you're not it's right. That's not the that's not the purpose per right, se. Right, right. So you guys met. She, you were already, you had already left, and you started dating when Karen moved in to her to the to the women's side of the CCYA. Huh? Yeah, yeah. And how and what was, how long did you guys date before you decided to get engaged? Uh, about a year. So it was it was an interesting time. So we had already known each other, a couple years. Um, so like. We knew each other. Um, we hung out a lot in like these group settings, and also, I guess, towards the end of the, or throughout that year or two, there were times where we'd wind up just like hanging out by ourselves. So there was nothing official or anything. Um, so we started dating in January of 2020. And how was that demarcated? Was that w- when you start dating, how do you go from just hanging out to, is that, does that mean, I mean you, you say, Karen, would you like to go Right, to okay. With so me? there's an official, yeah, on Thursday. An I'm paying. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So there's uh, an right. official demarcation. We just mentioned Cronin dates uh, on the last episode with, uh, with Nikki and Mackenzie. And I just want to mm-hmm. say, kudos to you, Chris. Nice job. You actually knew how to ask a, a, a young <laughs> Wait, woman what, out on what a was date. was it? Oh, there's uh, Dr. Cronin, oh. who's at Boston College. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Are you familiar? Yes, yes. The yeah. Dating the, the Dating Project. The Dating Project, yeah. yeah. Free movie, yeah, yeah. It's like a thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah because like, she offered extra credit, mm-hmm. and the kids didn't go on dates. They didn't even know how to date right. anymore. That's how. Because it's all text, and it's like, yo, let's hang out. And right, Let's yeah. go, let's chill, or whatever. <laughs> like, so there's no. But you mustered up the courage, Chris, yeah, against all odds, man. and asked Karen on a real date. Odds. <laughs> 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 what was it like, Karen, when he did that? Were you excited? Was it awesome? Was it, were you like, oh, no, I don't know. No, I was excited. I think by that point, like, like, I was pretty, well, obviously he had asked me out, but I think there was like a mutual interest that you're like aware of. I mean, I was interested in him, so. Okay. (laughs) Um, So so I was excited. It was good news. It was good. That's great. It's great to hear. I love it. We had a couple of good dates beginning. Where did you guys go on your dates? The first date was... Pharmacy in Old City, <laughs> no longer there. It's now a Spanish, yeah. another Spanish. It was unfortunately uh, one of the first, I think, it was to die. The first, to di- from the first restaurant to officially close <laughs> due to the pandemic. Oh, oh really? Oh, yeah. Man. That's your so, first date spot. What the hell? I know. How sad. Yeah. <laughs> and then we went, where did we go? Oh, we went to see a movie. Um, and yeah. then we had like, what was it? What was the next one? You remember I mean, we, the did movie? Go, we went rock climbing. Rock climbing. I went, what movie? Knives Out. <laughs> I don't know what that is. It was Daniel Craig. It was like a detective yeah. story. He played like a southern detective. Sounds like a yeah. dude movie. It, it, 
Uh, it, it sort of was. Yeah, well, it was so I mean, it was, I was on a date with Chris and date. two of his friends. So like, like a gay me and Chris, three your, guys. Your stock just went down a little <laughs> yeah, bit, buddy. With the, <laughs> with the like group well, no, date, no, no, you brought no, two no, of no, your no. buddies along on the date. My buddies wanted to go to the movies with me. You say said, no to them, right? I said, I said, I'm not going unless we also bring Karen. Aww. It's kind of cute, but still, I know. you, you lose I know, a little. A little your no. stock went down yes. a little bit Aww. there. No. <laughs> Karen, doesn't. What did you think about there worse. being like a? So you're like, oh, so I mean, uh, there's was like, like, like a bump. There's like a group of us. It's just like the Brady Bunch. Just a little old for old funny. reference for you guys. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because it's like on one hand you're like, oh, because it's only like second date or something, and you're like, and like I knew these friends, so like there are people I knew from the group, so and it's a little bit like, wait. What's happening? Is this a date? Does yeah, it count? Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's also, <laughs> it's also, you know, it I think definitely it's nice that he, you know, wanted, like, I think you feel special that you were included in something that, like, you know, his friends are trying to hang out with him. So, yeah, it wasn't, it was good. Awesome. Yeah, he's basically telling them, yo, guys, I have a new interest. That's life. awesome. There's yeah. the, you know, you guys ever heard of like John Gottman, the research, the Gottman Institute? Has anybody heard of this? It's like the most famous secular. He's a secular guy, but he has this, um, he's a researcher into couples success and he has like an ability to predict divorce with like a 96% accuracy and he studies couples and what he does is he has um, a, a love laboratory. So he hooks you up to all of these, um, like, you know, puts you, you know, like he's testing like the, the adrenaline in your urine and, and then he, he'll, he'll set up all these different things to like set up a conflict, whatever, just to sort of see. And he's created these these sort of rules for what what it what it takes to be a successful couple. And one of the things that he said you just did, which is really interesting, he says a successful couple, when they will always defend their partner. So, for example, I just I was trying to throw Chris. So, for no, I was trying to throw Chris under the bus, and say like, hey, your stock's going down, whatever. And you stood up for him. You said, no, no, no. He it was good. Like it was you know you you spun it in the positive way. Whereas if it was a, if it was a couple that was having difficulty, you'd be like, yeah, dude, you have no idea. How, he doesn't even clean anything either. <laughs> Not only was he a jerk that night, I can't get the gut to clean a dish. Whatever. So interesting side note. Yeah. Check it out, Gottman. Very yeah. interesting. Um, so he has this thing called the Four Horsemen of of the Apocalypse. So I think they are contempt. So sarcasm, and these mm. things are like the predictors. So if you're if you're sarcastic with one another, it's just a form of contempt. The second one is stonewalling. So if you get in a conflict and your strategy for, for the conflict is just, I'm going to just nothing. There's no, mm. co no communication. I think the third one is defensiveness. And the fourth one is criticism. So if you're always like, oh, you're sh you, that whole thing. So, interesting. Yeah, it's it's really interesting research. It's all science based, like, and and it's a pretty interesting guy. As a married man, let me just say yes to all. <laughs> 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 Pete's like checking off all the. I saw him. He's checking off all, all the four boxes. of those. <laughs> <laughs> but you know how it is. Like when you get sarcat, when you start, you know, yes. you know that your your relationship is bad when because sarcasm is not. Oh yeah. Oh you again. Great, Pete. Yeah. Just awesome. Mm. Right, it's like just you're you're not like commun. I'm not communicating. It's just it's just contempt. It's just like I don't like you. Anyway, um, so so this is so you guys are dating. 
either alone or with Chris's friends. Mostly, mostly <laughs> oh, yeah, we didn't get the rock climbing yet. Tell us about the number three rock climbing. That's a fun one. Wait a second. Did the guys have to come along? Right. No. Okay, just, good. I invited just him us. rock climbing. Nice. So the girls came. No, I'm okay. just kidding. <laughs> no, it's just, just us. Just the two of you. You realize that was enough after date number two, Karen, that we're going to do just the two of us again? Yeah. We're not bringing friends along with us. That one without saying, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, let's go rock climbing. Yeah. Us alone <laughs> rock climbing. Hint, hint. Where was rock climbing? In the city or outside? Um, in the city, but up uh, East Falls. Nice. Philadelphia Rock Gym. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, I had... Um, I'd gotten a little bit into rock climbing. I was never like a great <laughs> rock climber, um, but I had joined the rock gym. And so like I had a membership and it was, it was something I just like enjoyed. I like you want to see like what's he going to do with danger. It's like, all right, so yeah. if I get in this difficult situation, <laughs> is he going to protect me? Is he going to protect me? Is this guy pulling his mask down right, first exactly, on the air, right, airplane? Right, and right. <laughs> so if I'm going to, and am I willing, am I really willing to let him belay me? Like whatever, what is that they call it? Or mm -hmm. on belay? Mm -hmm. See, look at him. I got the, I got the, I got the lingo. How did it go? Yeah, I think it was good. I got another date, I think. Yeah. yeah. He's like, crazy. he's like, we're married, bro. Yeah. We're married, so it, it worked. It worked. It all worked out. We're here on the Men for Life show. <laughs> I will say that just watching you guys from afar, because I love, um, everyone knows, I love marriage. I love love. Like, <laughs> I'm such a romantic, like, sap. You know, I really am. And um, <clears throat> I think a lot of that comes just personally comes from me having done things wrong, the wrong way with Trisha, like us having that type of toxic relationship that it's like, oh, that's not how God wanted it. He wanted it this way, you know? So mm -hmm. watching you guys from afar in class, I noticed the same thing you noticed, Andrew, is that, not only is there a complementarity of the two of you guys, but you really are. You're really, really gentle and loving with each other. Just, I don't even know if you realize it or not, but I, I, I look for it. Like I, because I love it. I think it's great. Like I get super excited when people get engaged and people get married and you guys are, I love it. I just, and I love seeing you smiling and happy and loving each other. It's awesome. So. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. Um, so this, when did it, so, okay, so we're at the, we're doing the dating. When does this become more serious? Meaning when does it say, okay, was it always a clear discernment? And th was this discussed between you or was it just sort of like, okay, we're going to date for a while and then at some point it will become obvious or is it on the first date you're like, all right, Karen, I'm dating you and I want you to know that I'm doing this because I might want to marry you. Um, is it out in the open like that or is it just sort of? Like oh we're hanging out. No, it's a good, that was a good movie. Say that to her, and I don't. <laughs> I don't mean. I don't mean it in that <laughs> uncomfortable a way. But <laughs> um, it was. I don't see. It was an interesting time to start a relationship because two and COVID and, two and a half months in, everything shut down. So that kind of. Um, oh yeah, intensified changes things. Yeah, yeah. You're like, am I going to be near you without a mask? Right. <laughs> no, that was never a question. But uh, you but guys we weren't just, you weren't triple masked up in order to. Unfortunately, we we, not. we just were on the phone. He was outside the window. Yeah, I was yeah. inside <laughs> the bubble. He would come out with a bubble. bubble, bubble. You're like, dude, I was going to marry you, but then you should have been a bubble. <laughs> so I think that um, okay. <laughs> Sorry. But, uh, we wound up just. I think being together a lot more mm. because what else were you gonna do? So I would go see her like every day. <laughs> we were going to the office, so you'd be like, "I mean, we still both 
the entire like we never got a break so you know you'd be working together um not alone but like even with other people there and stuff um because she lived in a house with other people were Um, you going over to the women's house yeah i i would go over there we'd go to the like the men's house and Mm -hmm. they had an office space set up Mm -hmm. Um, nice so how close are they by the way in proximity are they on the same property or no uh it's 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 about like a three quarters of a mile yeah, or so. Walk. And yeah. is it like that, that um, when you're living there? Sorry, I didn't mean to. But is it like that where you can have guests over kind of any time, just not for sleeping over at the house? Or are there like certain yeah. certain there times? Yeah, or? I mean, there aren't like specific rules. It would probably be a matter of like discussing with the people you're living with. <laughs> It'd be like, is it OK if so-and-so yeah. comes over or whatever? So obviously yeah. there's there's like underneath there's a sort of checklist going on. With the both of you were discerning. Mm-hmm. Okay, what like? Yeah, I, what was the? Yeah, it was like let's talk. Let's get real. So, all right, what was the checklist? What are you looking for? And so, and and how does this like? Because right, there's not. I mean, I'm, you know, there's. We're, <laughs> I don't want to uncomfortable. There's not going to be any uncomfortable <laughs> conversations. So we can. But anyway, so how does that? How is that working out? Because you because obviously, if you want to marry somebody, you have some pretty serious. It's like a. It's not a small decision. Right. Let's just put it that way. You want to go first. Uh, you seem ready. Chris was like moving his fingers like he has his like, bulleted list. Five, I had a five, he's I, like, I had a five-point plan. I, I, I talked to a lot of young guys about about this, and, but just like even just how did I know I wanted to ask her out on a date? It's like I think a lot of people um, think too far ahead, especially in the young adult like Christian community. A lot of people are like, if I don't, if we don't. If we aren't heading to marriage after this first coffee, I don't know what I don't know what's gonna happen. Um, but it's like, do you do you find this person attractive initially? Yes. Yeah, so ask him out on a date. Can you stand being around this person? Yes. Ask him on a couple, you know, a couple more. And then it's like, do you share the same um, core values? And we do. And that's like stuff you learn as you as you go along. And then for me, it was. Um, like we had a pretty short, I think, time of courting before. What's short? How, what, how did you? A year. Um, yeah. Before. When, when did you propose? When did you get engaged? January, 2021 ish? Uh, we got engaged December 31st. New Year's Eve? Yeah. Nice. It was, it was, uh. Tell us. I want to hear it. I love. So the year was 2020. I had all these wild ideas, but you, you couldn't do anything anywhere. Like you couldn't go to restaurants, you couldn't do anything. So I I made um, I made this big, nice dinner for her at my place, invited her over. And as soon as she got there, I just, just asked her. You just asked. asked. Just asked. You just sitting at the table. Did you, did like, you get down right, on, one? on one knee? I did. did okay. you get the, Good. Did. And did you ask Karen's parents ahead of time for their permission? That I did not. Chris Echo. Chris, at what were the, you uh, thinking? Advice. This was advice from my um, my rector. So this was. Uh, he said no. Great. No, Father Gill said, "Don't worry about it." That it's okay. Well, because again, it Father was, Gill, I cannot wait to have when you, you come on, on the podcast. We're, we're discussing this. about this. His, <laughs> Note to self: I don't want to incriminate the man. No, 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 no. And you had him. five older brothers to ask too, Chris. Uh, so the so here's the funny part. So again, it was it was 2020. So it's like I'd been over there, and to cause like I knew her. I didn't I didn't know her her family. So I'd been over there a couple of times, but.
but it it wasn't like I could just like run over there and be like, hey, I want to marry your daughter. Yes, because we're in the middle of COVID. That's right. So sorry. And then context. (laughs) Anytime we were like visiting one of her her brothers or something because i was gonna i was gonna let them know that i was gonna do it like at least one of her siblings so that the work could get around but it's like anytime we would go visit someone it was like we were you know connected at the hip so it's like I couldn't, I couldn't uh, can't get so what was that moment like karen when he when he decided to and he did ask you what was the feeling like to tell to give us a little insight um i was exciting <laughs> um yeah so, i mean he he had invited me up for dinner so like as soon as, so this was at his uh, condo, and you know as soon as I got there, he like took my coat or whatever, asked me how my day was, um, and then pretty quickly like he was kind of like before we I want to ask you a question, and, and you knew he, it right then when yeah. you said that you're like all right I got it. he 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 got down on his knee and he asked me to marry him, and mm-hmm. I said of course. <laughs> Oh. It was so, one of the fastest decisions she's ever made. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not quite. She's a, she is takes a, me much longer to pick out. So. I know. Yeah. Milk for the, from the, for the drinking store. society nights, you're like, I don't know. I this. Do we really exactly. have to go? She did not hesitate. It was. It was beautiful. Really? Yeah. No hesitation. That's awesome. Because yeah. you really are. You're a processor. You are. I am. A, yeah. That's a nice. librarian. See, like to your a li- you had to study. Right? Exactly. You research. You'd already done enough studying that year. Of this guy, right? <laughs> right. Um, that's actually really nice because, to your point, Chris, which you were mentioning before, is sometimes maybe in our like really devout religious circles, you know, Christian, Catholic, maybe Jewish, even also Andrew, is we forget that love is an emotion, you know, and it's a feeling. And sometimes we forget that not everything has to be a calculated serious, decision, right? In the serious Jewish thing, they choose for you. So you don't get the, right. they just, they make, they're like, look, you're 18 and you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. So we're just going to choose we for you. We'll find a the good more f- of that nowadays, I think. I'm not sure yeah, that that's such a bad call. Right. It's just, hey, you don't know what you're talking. You're you're confused by this emotional thing. You don't know what you're lost. You're not you're not you've lost your reason. We're mm. older. We can discern for you. You'll love whoever we pick over time. What's the difference? It's like you'll be together 60 years. You're going to love. You're not going to love. You're going to love. You're not going to love. Mm. So but um, that's so beautiful. It's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. It's a really it's a really wonderful moment. And then the so. So the question I have then is this to me, this is such a beautiful story and it's not something that you hear ever really Mm -hmm. like it's such a normal story. It's such a normal like boy meets girl story. I feel like I'm talking to you guys like 1952, you know, and I wasn't alive in 1952. I'm not that old, but, you know, and it does. So even in this today, this crazy and they would say in Yiddish, like fakakta world, like crazy world, it still exists. You know, like a man meets a woman, they don't go, you know, they go down the right way, they follow the right path, and they get married, right, and do it the right way. It's just like such a, it's such a like, um, cause for rejoicing and for hope. I think it's like a serious hope because this is not the story that's on the social media feed, and yet it, here you guys are in the flesh, and we had to like, you know, it's, it's, they're not looking to talk about it either. Like we had to like, come on, Chris, come on the podcast, man. <laughs> Come on, guys. Right? It took like, yeah, we on. actually had to coax these yeah, two into coming on. on because for them, they're just very just yeah, just humble normal. and normal. And right. this is just us and it's who we are. But you two are something very special right now, very unique, you know? And it's so cool to see God bringing the two of you together for this. So if there's somebody 
There's somebody listening to this podcast, assuming someone ever listens to our podcast. <laughs> it's up to the Lord. Father, help us. This is for you. We're doing this. As Mother Teresa said, our job is just the, um, the work and then not the results, just the faithfulness. Anyway, so if there's somebody listening to this podcast and he's 16 and he's discerning which way to go in the world, like the way of the world. Hey, look, look, this, okay, great. Yeah, you and Karen, you guys got it done, but come on, you're the exception, not the rule. There's so, um, it'd be so much more fun and interesting to sort of play the field in the way that the world, what, what would you say to somebody like that if, they're, if, you, were, if you were advising them? Maybe, I, I don't know, you, hopefully you don't have to have this conversation with your kids, but let's say somebody's young guy, maybe even going to a Catholic school. We had somebody on like Antoine, somebody. Yeah. Great question, Andrew. Like, what would you say to them? Why? Like basically, yeah. Like, is, why do it? Here you way? are, not even one year into marriage, and what has it meant for the two of you mm. in this first year of marriage that you both lived the way that you did, single, you know, as a single person prior to meeting each other? Like, yeah, exactly. yeah. That. Go for it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just. I don't necessarily know what to say specifically, but like it, it just, it matters. I mean, you can kind of just look around and see like people are always involved in all these different relationships and they're miserable like most of the time. So um, I really just think like, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know. Following if the straight and narrow, like I think it just does set you up. Like that is the marriage prep, I think, is, is just like living oh, accordingly. Point. Cause like that, you know, to be able to, you know, learn self-control, patience, like you know, all the, all the, to sort of build up virtues that you're really going to need, um, to live, to live marriage, um, and to live it well. I don't know. <laughs> and you're happier, yeah. which yeah. is the interesting piece that Andrew and I both agree on and like to focus on is the world tells you that this over here, the shiny thing is going to make you happy mm -hmm. and it doesn't, it leads to being miserable, yeah. right? The instantaneous pleasure, the instant right. gratification. Whereas what you just said, the denying of yourself, the, right. the learning virtue rather than, you know, vice and preparing in mm -hmm. preparation for something greater later. And now here you are and you're genuinely happy. I mean, I can see it on the two of you. You're happy together. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's beautiful. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I, same. I would tell a 16-year-old. <laughs> I think um, just based on, like, I guess I guess we're boring and normal and straight and narrow, um, but um, just the amount that I've, I've learned being married, like how every decision I have made in the past has, has I've affected the, my marriage and how I'm acting in it. Based on that, like, I would first off just tell them, let them know that, every action that they do now is affecting their marriage, is affecting how they're going to treat their future spouse. Um, so that's why you want to start making good choices then because you it won't just go away. Like you don't you don't put on a ring and all of a sudden um, all that disappears. It, it's it's who you are and it's that's what your marriage is going to work on and perfect. Um, but also I think a big piece of advice would be to focus on having good relationships in various degrees um, because that's what's going to lead to a good marriage. You can't have a good marriage if you don't have a good relationship with that person. If it's, if it's just, 
I liked partying with this person and we were fun when we were drunk. Um, that isn't going to keep it together when you're not at a party, when you're just sitting around in the, home, the house, you know, having breakfast. Um, so it's ha having good relationships and, uh, and understanding um, that love, while it is, it is an emotion, it's more than just an emotion, it's, it's also action. Um, so when you, you have to, like, when you're loving someone and you're, you're willing they're good, that takes on many forms in many different, in many different ways. So, like, I, I always, um, I've been telling Karen recently, like, I, in the past I've realized that, like, I had really good sense of, like, filial love, like, love between friends and stuff and, you know, and you, but you love them much different than you do your, your lover, your spouse, um, but a lot of people don't even get to that point in their life where they don't know how to be a good friend or they don't know how to maintain a relationship with someone in that capacity um, and because their their concept of love is just an excess of emotion towards someone. So I think my biggest piece of advice is, is learn how to have relationships with people and then when you do meet someone who you're like, wow, I really like this person, you'll know how to have a good relationship to start with, like have a good base, and then and then be able to go to the next level. Chris, really good point is philia, friendship love, um, can that can be a practicing ground before we ever even get to marriage. And what you're, you just described, Chris, is us actually meeting someone else caring for someone else, willing the good of someone else, and genuinely wanting them to be happy also. Not even romantically yet. We're not even talking right. dating or engagement or marriage. It's just, I have a really good friend, and I, right. yeah, I want them to be, it's not just about what I'm getting out of this friendship, it's about what I'm yep. giving to them. Yeah, I think that's something that's really, really lacking nowadays. Like, even, even in not-so-young people, but, because um, like I said, I've been involved with a lot of a lot of different groups and you see a lot of people come in there to, to meet friends or meet like someone who, you know, meet a spouse. Um, and I feel like I'll, I've just met a lot of people who are struggling with that, just maintaining a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It's such like an undervalued. I never knew. And I, and I, I want everyone to know this, but, um, but you, gosh, you just struck a major, major chord with me, the two of you. You really did. Is um, When my grandmother died a few years ago, I was giving uh, her eulogy, and I had said in Italian they use te amo for I love you, but they also say te voglio bene, mm -hmm. and te voglio bene would be like when you tell someone you're, that you're not romantically in love with that you love them, so family or a friend or whatever. Well, the priest went up. Now, this is... This is Christopher West. You guys are going to love this. So this and, and theology of the body and, you know, and Pope John Paul and and uh, Bill Donahue. But the priest went up and he actually said, Te voglio bene, the literal translation is not I love you. It's I wish it well on you. Mm -hmm. So it's to because I was explaining how my grandmother taught me that, mm -hmm. like to wish it well on the other person, you know, not just that friendship love that you were describing, Chris. So for anyone who's listening is the English word of love is probably 
misunderstood and it's what's creating this lacking. Whereas if we understand it from the Greek, there's four Greek terms for love. And Chris and Karen just, you know, described the one philia would be a friendship love. So that's just that ability to have a relationship with another, which is going to be a huge part of our marriage. Like you said, not everything is going out and drinking or a party, you know, that that can be part of it, but that's not, you need to be able to hold hands and like binge watch a show on TV or text in the middle of the day and just say, Hey, I was thinking about you. I love you. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there is storge, which is the love that we share for like a family member. So when I say how much I love our children, obviously I don't, it's not like some sicko pedophile, you know, it's how much I love them. And then we have Eros and Eros would be the romantic love that we feel. So when you met Karen, that's where that came into play is I legitimately am attracted to you and I want to go on a date with you, you know, just us, no, <laughs> no friends. And then the last being the agape, but they did get in there. <laughs> and then the last would be agape. And that one's been super meaningful for me because when it really started to pierce my heart, how much the Lord loves me. And I realized that I'm the prodigal son, not the, you know, the good son. I'm actually the other. And I realized how much he loved me and I realized how as a married couple, and I'm sure you too think about this and talk about this, that's what's supposed to reflect in us in our marriages. It's actually su supposed to be agape where it's a love that's completely unconditional that we don't even know truly, you know, as. Yeah, that's what gets you through the rest of the day. Yeah. Marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that, please. Yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> I mean, not that it's, We've a, only, it's I mean, a struggle, but. Also, we've only been married nine months yeah nine beautiful months and, but hopefully we have but i don't know i think just that my you're nourishing that seed i guess is the best way to put it it's there it's definitely there i see it in you yeah so you're starting to well it doesn't mean like when we got married we we publicly announced we're you know laying our lives down for the other person that doesn't mean I'm, i have to take a bullet for her every day but it's like she's on my mind while I'm doing things. I'm when I'm making decisions, I'm asking, you know, her opinion on things. Sometimes I forget, but <laughs> <laughs> never, never. Right, Karen? Never. never. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's like you. Your life is um, is, is geared toward toward the other person. Chris, I think that's such a beautiful point. I was I was listening to I forget who it was. Uh, a couple of days ago, they were talking about this confusion in the modern world about love, where a lot of people believe that love is about what other people, what somebody can give to you, mm -hmm. as opposed to the self-sacrificial element of true love, which is you laying, what well, you just said, exactly, you laying your life down for the other person. So that's, the, that's love. Love is sacrifice. That you're willing to put somebody else's, you know, that, that, yeah, that's really beautiful because I, I think another thing when you guys were talking that was interesting was with the relationship piece, we all live in this world of two-dimensional relate quote-unquote relationships where it's you just text on a screen with somebody. You're just like a Facebook friend, whatever, whatever. So it has like, it's like, it's like food that's not nutritious, but it tastes, you eat it, there's calories to it, but it's not actually feeding you what you need relationally, nutritionally in that way. So people are being trained. It's like we're all living with all of these connections, all of these quote-unquote friends, and yet nobody knows how to... The, the skill of actually being in relation to another is weak. 
is atrophied in some way mm. because we're not getting the real thing. And we're all confused. It's, it's like a super, you know. Wow. That's actually deep because exactly it's how many likes did I have? How many followers do I have? Do I have 3,000, you know, social media friends? But do I even have two really good ones that I genuinely care more about them than, mm -hmm. you know, as you were describing? Learning just relationship. Yeah. Um, so cool. And so cool that you two understand that you were actually forming that before you even met each other. So cool. Amen. And that's what's missing. Seriously, just listening to you two, that's what's missing in our society. 100%. And I wanted to ask, because I'm sure, there, although it's early in, in your marriage, but what is the most difficult thing about being married to one another? Um, you were laughing. Do you have something? <laughs> I, got, I got jokes. <laughs> Karen's so polite. She is. Karen's like, I had something, things. but I'm... Thing is having everyone and anyone ask you when the kids are coming. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. right? Isn't that just a? It's a, I mean, everyone. I know. And if they don't, if they're not saying kids. it, they're thinking it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, so pressure, like so, it's outside pressure. So now you're in this context of her family, your family, and now it's like, okay, you did, you crossed this particular line. When's the like whip? When's the next one coming? Mm. <laughs> You got your M, you got your BA, but where's the PhD, son? Mm -hmm. Sound like the Jewish mom right there. Where? Come on, what's up? Where's the MD, maker of dinero? What's going on? But you know what the weird part is? That same exact line of questioning of expectations will then turn into, you're not going to have any more, are you? Right. Mm -hmm. Pete's like, which one should I get rid of? Right. Like, exactly. It's about? like, oh, well, you guys already have to. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, I know, but they're both the same gender, so we may need to have a third. You know? <laughs> <laughs> People treat it that way. You know what yeah. I mean? But they are. Those are the normal questions. I think one of the seriously though one of the um, it's not a difficulty, but I think one thing that has challenged me is just that. Um, like being married, like living together fully and like orienting our lives around that marriage, um, the sacrifice of some of that personal time that I would have, I think has been the biggest challenge for me because it's like when we were dating, we would, um, spend all day and night together, but there was still, you know, that couple hours where I got to go home and go to bed and maybe I would get up early and do something before I, you know, went and saw her again. Um, but now that you're married, it's like you're married and trying to um, foster that marriage. It's okay. like my time is hers. Yeah, you're like you're like you again, really. Again, <laughs> you. Have you done you. any? Now there's you. Uh, yes. <laughs> Hi, I, hey, like I you just again. saw you. Yeah. <laughs> um, good point, actually. And have you done any like St. Joseph reading on that topic, Chris? Or Devin Schott is a beautiful, you know, author on that fatherhood. Um, um, I no. Not yet, so just quick, quick tidbit point. Maybe advice. I don't know, but not coming from me. Coming from these people that you know that are far greater than. I just love learning from them. Is he said almost like in Jewish times where there were two tents and one would be the tap, you know, the tent Ark of the Covenant and the other would be the tent, like the meeting place they would mm -hmm. call it. But it was like the go out into the tent basically for your your silence, for your own 
is that we all need that as men. And he would say getting up early um, in the morning to enter into the darkness is your, you know, like your alone time to figure that out. Now, for me, I'm not that guy. I'm not the morning guy, so that's never going to be. But I need that. I need to go and carve out that time for myself for adoration or something like that. Or maybe it's going to the gym, you know, or whatever that time is. That, And then you you discuss that with Karen or you discuss that. I discuss that with Trisha, like, hey, honey, I'm going to be a better Pete. Like, I'll be a better husband for you if I can take this time for myself right now. Like, I'm not going out drinking with the guys. I'm not in, like, some you know, men's adult league for whatever, you know, but, but if I don't get that time to step back to refill my own cup sometimes, you know what I mean? Like I can't be as good for her as I should be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I know exactly what you're talking about. It's not, and it's not selfish. I've discussed it, you know, with priests and things (laughs) like that. And they're like, Oh Pete, it's Pepsi. Um, the acronym Pepsi, like physically, emotionally, psychologically, um, spiritually, and the I would be uh, individually. Yes, and intellectually. I don't know, no. but and you know, even where Father Hickey, um, who used to run Malvern Retreat House, would say that, like, "Hey, you're a man. Physical needs. You know, like if you need to go out and go to the gym or something like that, or whatever, go chop wood with an axe. Like, you know what I mean? You need that that time to to till the soil. Basically, if you go all the way back to Adam in the garden, you basically need that." that alone time to tell the soil a bit. Yeah. yeah, good point. Were either of you discerning religious life on different vocation before marriage? Um, or no, not, not even I had never, table. I never had like any kind of active discernment. I mean, I, you know, I think some prayer and, and thought towards it, but I never like actively did anything. I had a moment. <laughs> <laughs> One second. <laughs> this, no, this is actually part of the, the lead up to before I, I dated Karen, I had. Um, so I'd always been like, I don't think I'm called to priesthood. Um, and then it was like 2019 and I was like, this is, nothing's working out. Maybe I am. Sorry. That was on my mind. But I had this like very profound experience. Um, I think it was feast of the ascension um 2019 but so i had um i'm an extraordinary minister at the cathedral and normally back in what the is day, that it is um a controversial role in the church that started after <laughs> where a lady who is is properly trained can help the priest distribute communion um so <laughs> Um, Good so call I'm, on the I'm controversial, Chris. One of those. Um, but uh, normally at the cathedral, because back in the day they used to do both forms of communion, so they would have the the host the bread and they would have the the precious blood and wine. Um, normally you would only do the precious blood as an extraordinary minister. But on the Feast of the Ascension, this was a daily mass. I think I was serving too, and I was just like got handed um, the ciborium with all the hosts, and I was like. All right, go distribute. So I was doing that, and as I was doing that, like that is a very intimate thing, um, which yes. um, is you don't think about, but it really is. So I I just had like this moment while I was while I was doing that where I was like, wow, this is like really profound, and there there's real intimacy in this. Um, so that was on my mind. I was like, wow, this is like I could I could do this. 
Uh, so I was thinking of that, and I wound up, um, like, a month later, or a month and a half later, I was in Rome. I was going on this trip to Rome, so I was in Rome for a couple of days, and I was like, all right, Lord, this is this is your chance. Like, I just need a slight breeze, and I'm like, I am knocked over. I'm yours. So I went to Rome, and, you know, you're going to all these churches, but the whole time I'm there, and I'm, in, like, in, in the arts and stuff, it's like, like, you're in all these religious spaces, but, like, what was stuck out to me what was on my mind like all the time was just like how beautiful these spaces were and how like someone had spent their entire life just to make this space beautiful and I was like this is like that's what I'm like that's what I'm called to and I would just like I got really lonely because I was in Europe by myself at that time too and I, I just got really lonely I was like I don't think I'm in like so that was like the the line in the sandwich like I don't think God is calling me to that at all um and then I like I came back and I started I was renewed in in finding a spouse. Very cool. Yeah. There's, and just a plug for the churches of Europe, if anybody's in listening to this and you ever get a chance to go to Europe, it's worth the price of admission just to see the churches there, the beauty of those buildings. Yeah. To me, it was what converted. I mean, it was a big part of, of converting me to the faith because what could be, whatever ideas inspired somebody to create some of those spaces as a creative person myself too, also in the artistic thing, it's, that's, there has to be truth there. There just has to be, there's no, there's no, the humanity of those spaces, the beauty, the transcendence, the, the feeling of being in, and they're all over Europe. I mean, it's, and what's interesting because I was, there was this, there was this, um, this sort of debate because Bishop Barron has this, this piece of, you know, the via pulchritudinous, the way of beauty being a, a huge conver conversion mechanism you know like i forget it was newman somebody who said it's the it's the smiles of the saints and the beauty of the church is not really the arguments that convert people but i think this was this protestant guy william lane craig was saying well if that's true why is everybody in europe not converted there's so many beautiful churches there so i don't it's an interesting question but if you're listening to this and you have the opportunity to go to europe it's so those places are so beautiful they're so edifying they're such a a way to either deepen your faith or if you're if you're lost i mean there's such, i found such a home in those in those buildings it's just so amazing and they're everywhere there's like every every country has them and yes we have beautiful churches in the united states but it's a different level it's like the reverse of the nba like we like if you're really good in basketball player you stay here if you're the best of the best if you're not that good you go to europe and you try to make it on like the croatian bulldogs or whatever the but, the basketball team is over there. It's the opposite for churches. We have some nice churches, but we're like the Croatian Bulldogs of churches, and they have like the LeBron James. They have the the, the 76ers or whatever. So true. It's the deal. Yeah, so you know there's something because there's art everywhere in the United States and in Europe, but not to that degree or level. It's nothing so like So you it. know it's not only divinely inspired, but there's definitely just... S something pouring over that to allow it to manifest in in, in the way that it does inside mm -hmm. of the yeah you're right i mean even if you're in like barcelona spain with a lot of gaudi's work yeah you know the sagrada familia like that's yeah his his work his work is amazing yeah and much of it unfinished right um or some of it i should say some of it unfinished but you're right andrew the churches there's something really really 
unique. And talk about sacrifice. All of those, the people that built those churches, they were generations and they knew that they were built, they were working on this masterpiece that they wouldn't finish during their lifetime. So I'm going to start this project. It's like, hey, let me pitch you this project. You're going to work on it your whole life and you're never going to see it finished. Yeah. Can you Mm -hmm. imagine? Like what? Mm -hmm. Right. Why would someone do that if they were doing it for money, prestige or any of these worldly, yeah, yeah, worldly things you wouldn't. You'd only be doing that for God. Mm. It's a different thing. Yeah, even um, I met, because we're not from here, as you know, but if you meet a lot of people that are from what they would call the neighborhood, which would be like Overbrook section of Philadelphia, and it's mostly all Italians, and they built St. Donato's Parish. Mm. But they literally came here and migrated here and built that. So a group of them got together just for that purpose, was to, Mm. you know, and you're right, that's something that's going to, remain and last much generationally. I have two questions for you, if you two don't mind. Um, You don't have to answer these if you don't want to, but Trish and I look back at our relationship and two things that we decided that if we could go back and change as a married couple, these are the two things that we identified that number one would have solved much or all of our problems, Um, but also um, not that it would have made things more fruitful for us, you know, as you were saying, as leading up. So the two things that we identified were, one, we wouldn't have moved in together before we got married. And we give this advice all the time when teaching marriage prep, even if, if, even if a couple's already living together. And then the second one is that we would have saved ourselves until marriage. Or if we hadn't been virgins at that point, we would have actually tried a renewed virginity where we actually at that moment decided together to then save ourselves until our wedding day. So, do, yeah, do you understand? Or, um, okay, uh, where, um, so just on the surface on those two, did you two have that conversation at all as a couple about like living together before getting married? It's, I mean, it's so common now that. Um, I think we were both on the same page. That we weren't. That we weren't, yeah. So, so we recommend. <laughs> Not living together. We also, it's funny, like, this is, like, a simple thing, but we've also bonded with other, like, couples over this. Um, Talking about, like, the excitement of the fact that, like, you didn't live together, that whole, like, once you are married. Like, there's, like, a joy in the, like, no one has to go home. Like, we get to just go to bed. Like, and for that to be, like, a very distinct difference between not being married and being married. Like, it, it, you know, it, it might sound simple to, like, people that aren't experiencing it, but, like, I, it really just, it's a beautiful distinction. You too, Chris. Did you feel it after getting married? And Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that was, yeah, like, I'm I'm all about, it's like, it's, it, it, there's a definite change that happens. That was one of the things I was saying. It was like, we spent almost all day and night together, but there were those couple of hours that we didn't. And mm-hmm. it's like, when you're married, it's like, you're, you're together those extra couple of hours. And it's like, there, there's a change in it. Um which I think is a good thing because you're just like, wow, this is it. It gives it more of like a immediacy or more like this is real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like this just this is real now. Yeah. I'm literally living my life with and for mm-hmm. the other person. Um, Trisha's little sister, Nina, and my brother-in-law, Adam, they did it. They forced themselves to live apart. Nina lived at home and Adam had, you know, like a rented house or something like that. And they didn't, they could have, but they didn't move in together until they had gotten married. And that's what Trish and I talk about. We talk about we robbed ourselves of that 
that joy of like, oh man, I'm moving like my toothbrush in. I'm moving my, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm officially, <laughs> yeah, all of it's coming now. Like, you know, there's little things like when you look over next to the sink and you're like, all right, her stuff's here now or his stuff. You're like, wait, all those bottles of shampoo and conditioner. Like, you use all and by of them. them? <laughs> you, you, use you move all, all, all those bottles in after you get married. That way, like, he can't be like, oh no, oh no. Right. <laughs> Too late. You already committed. Wait a minute. What, what is that? He literally just asked me why there were so many bottles in the show. <laughs> she, was, she was looking at more. <laughs> yeah, there's not enough. Yeah, Karen's like, products. not a lot. We took on a lot. There's not enough. There's, there's yeah. a, we have a, we have a, a posit. We have a, it's not, it's not enough. There's only 12. I'm right. usually at 30. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering, you know, given the, the state of the culture and you guys are now, uh, well, we're obviously not pressuring you for the kid thing. We're going to leave that aside, but I'm just saying, right. I mean, look, that's up to the Lord essentially. Mm -hmm. Right. So whatever will be, will be praise God, you know? Um, but this, this thing of the culture is getting, if it continues to become so toxic, do you guys consider or talk about, Hey, I'm not sure that we could create the same kind of environment that we grew up in, in this new culture here in a city like this. So maybe there's, I don't know, could we go to a small, maybe we'll go to, I don't know, move to some place where it would be easier to do that. Or do you think... No, it doesn't matter. Even if we're in the eye of the storm of Philadelphia with, let's just say, as you said, Chris, there's going to be this continued, even the stodgy industries will go the woke way or whatever it is. Is that a concern or is it no, we, we did we did it and it's a little worse now, but it's not big enough, not, not a big enough deal to go anywhere or do anything radical. I think that... No Benedict I, option. I, don't, I, think that, I think it's... We're at a point, though, I think where there, um, there's been an impetus for more people to rediscover good relationships. I, f I feel like, especially when we were growing up, like you, it was very easy to, to mind your own business. Um, so it was like you could just get by doing, doing whatever, not really worrying about stuff. But I think now a lot more people um, are being more intentional about things one way or another so people are like i'm going to intentionally live this lifestyle um so i think there's there's actually more hope now i think because um you know people might try this out but then it's like well this isn't working so they're looking for something else but then also i think that especially in in our city you know um there there are there's a lot of like i said things happening where there there's a revival like you can when I when I was here for college and right out of college, there were no young adult groups for me to go to or anything for me to 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 do. So I I feel like there's a lot more of that now too. So there's a lot more opportunity. So I think if we had if we had kids right now, I I wouldn't feel too Got it. too scared. That's interesting. That's a hopeful. That's the hopeful case. Karen, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think you'd want to seek out the community. So like, I mean, within Philadelphia, yeah, I feel like there's lively parishes. Um, so you'd want to be connected with that community. I don't know, because I think there's like a balance where, yeah, you kind of want to let protect your kids, make sure that you're like, they're not, you know, you can teach them before they're getting confused by the ways of the world. Um, but then it's also like, you need to prepare them to live in this world, like, uh, you know, so you can't just shut it out completely. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think it's it's 
balance. It's having, you know, the right community, the right support around them. It's true. I, when I was when I was discerning different parishes to go to, or when I first came back to Philly, I went to um, I think it's St. Mary's in Conshohocken, mm. which is a Latin Mass community. Yeah. Yep. I was blown away by that place. I mean, you go in every family's like it was right. the height of COVID, yeah. packed to the rafters, not a mask in the place. We were just there for a wedding. Kids and everywhere. right, there's so every, many kids. Like you, you're. You have to like push, you have to like part the seas to get through the children to get to the <laughs> parish. I was like, wow, whatever these guys are selling in here, whatever they're doing in here is clearly working. It was amazing. I was, wow, I was really impressed right. with the community. So your point, and that's just in some random place in Conshohocken. That's, right. that's you know, it's in the right. world. Conshohocken has all kinds mm -hmm. of pharmaceutical companies near, you know, big, whatever. It's just a normal part of Philly. Yeah. But it has this, this center, this heartbeat in the middle of it which is this really vibrant community. So yeah. yeah. And I think like you can find these communities that you don't even know about. I mean, a lot of people probably know St. Francis de Sales in West Philly, but like I had never been there before and we went a few months back and like even that like I was just very impressed cuz it was like you know, even a lot of churches in Philadelphia you go and like the average age of the church going population still skews on the higher end uh but going there there like there was a lot of young families yeah. there was a lot of young people we had people like run up to us they were like so excited thinking like oh we're new potential <laughs> parishioners and they're yeah, like, it's a great parish. Oh, where are you from and then we're like the cathedral and they're like oh father like Eric. they knew yeah. <laughs> they knew we were already committed yeah. elsewhere um yeah. but it was it was just very like inspiring and encouraging yeah. seeing that and like yeah it's probably a well-known parish but to me it was like i wasn't familiar yeah we went there with uh with uh joey who i sponsored Oh, did you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, Joey's doing the um, the the uh, Ignatian exercises there. He was. I was in that same neighborhood, a great, great area over there. Um, sorry, but you were going to say something. Mm. Yeah, no. I was no. I had a question to ask. You guys made me think of something I wanted to ask you. It'll come back to me. I wanted to. <laughs> I'm going to interrupt just so all of you know. I'm going to interrupt in a moment. You, you had the, on your hopeful note. There's a famous um, Catholic intellectual. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. Can I interrupt? Do it. Yeah. Do it. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, are you guys? Happens all the time. Um, We're like are an you old guys open couple. to having children? Yes. 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 We've already <laughs> discussed the. Uh, do you guys? Um, just curiosity question. Do you guys practice natural family planning? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. In a way to maybe not have children right now. No. To use it to have, <laughs> yeah, to try to have. Yeah. Oh, awesome! Because <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, natural family planning and learning your wife's cycle will give you an opportunity. Or for ladies, learning your own cycle. I know there's many ladies out there that aren't even observing, but mm -hmm. it um yeah, it gives an opportunity to either try not to have children right now if you don't feel it's a good time, or to have them. So you guys are. Possibly trying to figuring that out. That's <laughs> awesome. Nice. Ah, so cool. It's um, the personal part of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and then third question, because like I said, I love all this stuff. And part of it is um, for Trish and I, there's a joy in teaching marriage prep because it reminds us of all of this is um, um, where did you go for marriage prep? Oh, fun story. So I'll, I'll keep I'll queue it up. You knock it down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds good. When the minute we we were getting married i had heard so many bad stories about um just like the generic um pre-cana like one day meeting things from people because it's like especially if you're a serious not even if if you know you're a christian they're all, all true chris it's <laughs> it's, uh, it's just it's very, true it's just very baseline it's like mm -hmm. a lot of stuff you know 
um, like people know offhand. So it's not really didn't feel like it prepared anyone for marriage. So I was asking around, and a, a good friend of mine said that he and his wife actually do this program where you get together one on one with another couple. Um, so, and he told me that uh, Father Sean Mahoney is actually involved in this, and he knows the people who run the thing in the city and stuff. So we were, um, so we went the next day and asked him about that. And as it turns out, um, <laughs> the uh, <coughs> this one couple that I guess runs it in the area. Yeah, I um, guess they're one. Yeah, I they, think they like lead in the area. It's, are actually relatives of Karen, like distant relatives of Karen. They're like, oh, Karen, oh, is it Kowski? Of you? They're <laughs> your distant, get out yeah. of here. Yeah. So um, we contacted them and we actually got to do it with them. Um, unfortunately, it was it was not live because we were still in the throes of yes. the, yeah. the pandemic. But um, so we, we did it virtually. But uh, it was so wonderful because you got to just talk to a couple it was tailored toward you, so like we didn't have a whole session on them telling us not to live together and why not, because we weren't. Um, so they were actually able to like share different things and prepare us in a way that was tailored to us. And it was also over the course of a, it was like you met once a week for a series of weeks, so it was just really nice, it was something to look forward to. Um, and it, it just, you got, again, you got to form a good relationship with these people who have a good relationship in their marriage. Yeah, uh, that's wonderful. Yeah, well, that's yeah. beautiful. Hey, guys, we're going to have a knock on the door here in about two minutes. Uh -huh. So we have to land the plane. And, uh, but before I do, I wanted to just I thank you. I don't want to. I yeah, really yeah, enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. This thank is awesome. you so much for coming in and spending time with us today on the Men for Life podcast. I think it was really inspirational. Certainly for me it was, and I hope for anybody listening, that it still exists love real love the right doing it the right way and i don't mean you know i don't mean to be condescending because i look but it's just beautiful so pete i don't know if you could end us in prayer and um yeah well uh would you two like to because i yeah. just mentioned that chris and karen when you meet them they're you don't see like you don't know they're catholic like i was saying chris <laughs> but um but i understand like you have very you know many religious things around your home now you know that you're married and you, you live it beautifully daily so do you want to wrap us up in prayer or is it better if i do sure you want to yeah please sure. do sure. Yeah, chris or both yeah you know father son holy spirit Lord, we thank you for gathering us here in this room, gathering us for this time to discuss our marriage, discuss your plan for marriage for each of us, um, or for those who are called to marriage. Um, thank you for Pete and for Andrew for sharing their gifts through this podcast. Um, Lord, we thank you, um, ask you to send your Holy Spirit down upon us and upon all who we're listening to this um, allow what we discussed to to penetrate us um, help it to help us grow to love you and love each other in the fullest way possible and ask all this through Christ our Lord amen, amen. in the name of the, the Father, Father and the Son, and the Son and the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit. Amen. amen signing off thanks guys thank you, thank you.